Good morning and welcome in to the Captain J. Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood on a snowy football Friday. Now time for Shot or No Shot and it's brought to you by... Betting Club Hawthorne Betting Bars, Johnny. That would be where you can get horse racing, video, slots, sports betting through points, bet throughout Chicago land. We say good morning to Shea W. Norland. Good morning, boys, on a football Friday, one of the last of the year as we head into my favorite football weekend of the year, the divisional round. How are we? We're good. We're fired up, man. Football, basketball, hockey, NBA, college. Good weekend. My wife's out of town. It's a sports weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. Love you, Mindy. Uh, it, uh, it's going to be a great uh, weekend for football for sure because you see the best of the best. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Again, the, I love these matchups, and we'll have the picks coming up this half hour right here on Captain J. Hood. But first, shot or no shot, Shay? All right, let's get started. If you squint, the situation in Chicago in 2024 looks almost the same as the situation in Houston in 2023. I know it's hard to believe, but... The Bears with two picks in the top ten and a lot of mock drafts suggesting they could take both a quarterback and an edge rusher. That would set themselves up kind of the same way Houston did in the 2023 draft, taking both C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson in the first round. And of course, C.J. Stroud has led the Texans to the divisional round with a win over Cleveland. It's been a massive success. Stroud is certainly the outlier. He had the best rookie season as a quarterback we've ever seen. But shot or no shot, rookie quarterback or not, Bears fans should expect to make the playoffs in 2024. That's a shot. Their roster is markedly better. It's not good enough at this point. But we've got, a, as he said, two first-round picks. You've got a bunch of draft capital. You've got a ton of salary cap space. Yeah. It's time to go, man. It's time to get there. I'm not telling you you got to win the division at 15-2, but you should be contending to go to the playoffs. Uh, that is a shot because that should be the expectation around here anyway. No matter how much losing that the Bears have had, Cap, the expectation for us Bears fans is to be able to see the Bears in the postseason. We're a major market. We deserve better than this. I understand that the Bears are trying to redo things here with Ryan Poles, but the, that should always be the goal. Why not? And, that, and that's the problem around here is that the expectations are that we're celebrating three win teams and seven win teams as if that's a Super Bowl. That's not an accomplishment. Absolutely not. It's still underachievement. We just had a guy call in and said he'd take him over C.J. Stroud and Jared Goff. That's, I mean, that's some of the level of expectation around here that Justin is a future MVP. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you rooting for your favorite player or wearing your jersey or your favorite team. But at some point, you have to be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror. What do you see? You see an underachieving football player and an underachieving football team. And I want better than that for the Bears. My expectations are higher. I'm with you. By the way, when the Bears games are over during the regular season, you know what happens? I watch more football. Yeah, I educate myself on other teams. I watch more football. Right, I'm not led by the nose by my spouse saying, "Okay, is that Bears game over? Get out to the garden." That's not happening. Right, you are the guy who said, "I think there are people that watch the Bear game and they turn it off and go do their errands." Yeah, 
Oh, did you guys not see Josh Allen? Did you not watch Mahomes? Oh, C.J. Stroud is a rookie? You haven't seen any of that, huh? It's the equivalent of you and I late to an appearance or late to getting the soldier field, whatever, and you see like that couple with pushing the stroller, and the guy's got a Bears jersey on, and it's 12.05. Why isn't that guy watching the game? He's a Bears fan? What are you doing, pal? Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Gotta go. You should be in some place watching the game. We went out. I told you this story. We went out to dinner one night with a couple. This is years ago. And the other wife said, what are you guys doing tomorrow? My wife said, he's starting to gamble by 10 o'clock in the morning. He watches the pregame shows with Brett. And then they're not done watching football until Sunday night game is over. She's like, what? No, that's, that, that doesn't go on in my house. I let him watch a Bears game occasionally. And I'm like, you what? You let him. Oh, yes. Where do you keep his balls? She did not like it. We did not go out with him again. <laughs> and then don't forget, you led with that doesn't go on in my house. Correct. Oh, my wife's great. She get she does her deal. I do mine, yes. and then we marry our lives together. That's how that's supposed to work. Correct. Allegedly, Correct. supposedly. Correct. Here's Shay Norling. All right, the Bears are interviewing Caleb Williams quarterback coach Cliff Kingsbury in Los Angeles today. There are some reports that Cliff and Caleb did not have a great relationship. And Kingsbury, we know, burned a bit of his reputation at the end in Arizona. Things ended very badly for him Mm -hmm. as the Cardinals head coach. Shot or no shot, the Bears are only talking to Cliff Kingsbury to get a read on Caleb Williams. Uh, I'm going to say no shot. I think he is an accomplished coach. But he has a specific way he likes to play. But he also was the coach of Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. of Kyler Murray. He's got reams of intelligence on different plays and different things and how they do that. This is your shot. That's why I was so disappointed when Jerry didn't talk to anybody and just promoted Chris Getz. Talk to bright executives in other franchises. And yep. then I just want to get data. That's not Jet over there on the south side. Agreed. That, that's that's the difference, but, though. But that's why I'm glad that yeah. they're casting a wide net, so to speak. They are, what, nine in on their list? I don't care if it's 29 in. Find the right guy, but get all the intelligence you can. Well, well, keep in mind that through the, you know, the address book of Jerry Reinsdorf, and I'm sure it's still got the actual physical address book with the flowers in the front of it. Yeah. Most of the people he used to know is dead. It's dog-eared. Dead. Call this guy and ask him. And uh, he's dead, Jerry. <laughs> Try the next one. He's dead, too. Yeah, so he didn't know anybody. Well, keep going to you find somebody alive. <laughs> so that's a problem. Dang. Shay, I'll say that's a shot. Uh, I just think that when you are an organization like the Bears, you're asking all the questions that you can. Cliff Kingsbury, again, for someone who's failed up a lot uh, in in college football, in the NFL, still knows football and still knows people that knows people. You ask as many questions as you can to as many people as, as you can. I'm, I know that he knows Caleb Williams, so I think that is a shot, trying to find out whether or not it could be a match. And at this point in time, you're looking for an OC or a quarterback's coach. So absolutely, I think that's a shot. I will say, Cap, to your point about Chris Getz and what the White Sox did, just like elevating him, I have to credit the Bears because they have talked to, I believe the number now is nine Correct. offensive coordinators. Correct. Potentially. Yep. Uh, that. Uh, you got to credit them. Like, maybe it's a little bit too much and you're going to give yourself paralysis by choice, but talking to everyone feels like the right path. 
Yeah, you get as much data as you can. When Paul sits down with him today in L.A. and he says, tell me what you think of Caleb Williams. He's going to be forthright. He's going to be honest with him. He does this well. I didn't like doing that. He has to improve here. All of it goes into the database. All of it. I wonder, you know what would be a great question to ask Ryan Poles? When you do nine interviews, how do you keep them straight? Do you just sit and talk? Do you record the interviews? Do you have a video in there to look at body language, all of that? Because you sit down after you interview, let's assume nine is the number. Okay, let's review the nine. Who are we bringing back for a second interview? Well, I really like this point. Who made it? I think Kingsbury. No, I think it was the guy from Indy. No, it was the guy from Philly. Oh, I'm sure. It's like you and your scouting days. You're writing everything down. Everything. Like you're behind a desk or you guys are side by side in chairs and like someone makes a point. This is Cliff Kingsbury. He said this, this, this. You go by memory. Once the meeting's over, write your final analysis and move on to the next thing. I'm sure everything is written down. It'd be kind of annoying for you to be able to have your phone in your notes app. It's like, what, what did you say now? That would be horrible. But I think writing it down, I think that that's what he does. Yeah, but if you do the interview on Zoom, everything's recorded. You can go back and watch it again. I would bet they record the interview. Sure. Would you like to see it? Is that what you're pining for? You want to see it? No. I, I just, having watched guys do those interviews in basketball, mm-hmm. like it's hard to keep it all the. All right, wait a minute now. I thought that guy wanted to run a man-to-man defense. No, that was the other guy. Yeah. Like, you learn. You've got to document Everything. Yes. Those interviews, I remember, I think it was Pace said, no, it was Negi. Negi said his first interview talking philosophy mm-hmm. was seven hours. Seven hours? Yeah. That didn't work out, but shows you yeah. the exhaustive level of these interviews. Shay? Uh, don't look now. Zach Levine's hurt again. Last night, Levine exited the win over the Raptors with a right ankle injury after missing time for right foot foot inflammation earlier this season. This is pretty much certainly bad news for his trade value. Like, it's going to be very difficult to move a guy who's had two right leg, lower leg injuries in the same season and now might miss time again. Shot or no shot, the Bulls will again do nothing at the trade deadline. Uh, That's a shot. I lean shot in that regard. I still believe that there is the hope that if they're both, the, first of all, the Bulls have to be able to do something, Cap. Just standing still sucks. They need to be able to pick a lane. Who are you? At this point in time, you're barely a playoff team. If you're going to pick a lane and you want to tank, then it starts with DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso. You can get something back, especially for DeRozan. And as I laid out to you before, the Bulls just have a bunch of guys that are just the third and fourth best players on a good team. It's just, it's just who they are. They beat a tanking Toronto team yesterday. I don't know why TNT couldn't flex out of that. That's horrible, that game. It was <laughs> an entertaining game. It's fine with the Bulls. It, I mean, at least the Bulls won. At least they didn't play down to the competition, but Toronto's tanking. I, I think that the Bulls should make a deal. They should. But, I mean... It just seems like the settlers just like who, what they, what, who they are, and they're not going to make a move. That's what it feels like. I'm going to say they make a reasonably bold move for them. Reasonably bold. So that's DeRozan? DeRozan and Caruso. <laughs> Did you see the Casey Johnson report? No. 
they might move Lonzo Ball as salary matching. Oh, I saw that to get to attach his salary. The Hawks did that with Marion Hosa back in the day when he had remember the gunk from the equipment. He couldn't play anymore. His skin would break out. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing, a condition. And they were they had years left of his money, and they traded him. I don't remember where, maybe Arizona, but they traded him so they could get the money off the book. It's funny because uh, Lavar Ball had some recent uh, thoughts about his son Lonzo Ball. When I come up with a name, and then somebody tell me to change it, that's like me telling me to change your name. That's like people saying, "Oh, hey, change Lonzo's name, Alfonso, on the fact that he's been damaged goods for the last two years." Oh, oh. God. Damn. Yeah, Alfon- Alfonso. We had a new player, Alfonso Ball. <laughs> I guess Lonzo t- told Lavar, maybe you should try, try to change that uh, Baller brand thing yeah. to a different name. And uh, and Lavar's like, I'm not changing the name. You've been damaged goods for two years. He told his son that. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes! <laughs> damaged goods. That makes you feel good, don't you? As a son, that makes you feel good. Wow. You trash talking your kid. <laughs> What kind of a-hole is that? That's unbelievable. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's a, I guess that's on, that's on their YouTube show. Live and in person. <laughs> You've been damaged goods. Like, like, I mean, Lonzo just making a, you know, pretty much saying, You've hey. You've been damaged goods for two years. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much saying, like. When I come up with a name and then somebody tell me to change it, that's like me telling me to change your name. That's like people saying, oh, hey, change Lonzo's name to Alfonso on the fact that he's been damaged goods for the last two years. Wow. That, that is tough love there. Whoa. <laughs> Holy cow. Whoa. Damaged goods. Whoa. <laughs> That's your son. Going through the most difficult knee injury we've ever seen. Right. All right, Shay, can you sneak in one more? I actually have two that both relate to the same game. Bill's Chiefs this weekend is... I think unquestionably the most intriguing game in the divisional round. And these two teams have a history recently. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have met six times. The record, three and three. But Mahomes has the edge in the playoffs. He's won both playoff matchups, including that 2021 thriller that, for my money, is still the best game I've watched. Uh, Those two quarterbacks will meet this weekend, and it's being billed as a rivalry. Shot or no shot? Bill's Chiefs is a rivalry. That's a shot. Absolutely a shot. That's Absolutely. A shot. And you know what would be really apropos? I said this to you the other day. I don't know if I set it upstairs or on the air. Remember how they lost and they complained and they changed the rule for overtime in the playoffs? How about if Buffalo takes the gets the kick, drives it right down the field, touchdown, extra point, 7 nothing, mm-hmm. get or 7-point lead, mm-hmm. and then they get the ball back, Kansas City, they drive it right back down to score. Let's go for two. And they beat them. That could happen. Because in the old days, you get a touchdown game over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that should happen years and years ago. Another reason why I've enjoyed college football for such a long time. Because of the overtime rules. Back and forth. Craziness, right? Because it's more football. It's a funny thing about football, Cap. When the game is good, you want more. You don't want it to end. Right. Play forever. And so the NFL said, you know what would be good? Maybe we extend it. Well, you should have been doing that years ago. They were reactionary to... The ending of a great game that was right there for everybody, it was ended prematurely. Yeah. Should have had those overtime rules years ago. So, no, that is a rivalry, and it's fun. As I, as I mentioned before, what's intriguing to me is the Chiefs now on the road against Buffalo. Totally different. How does that work? Shay. 
All right, well, we know this game's also going to be cold weather, potentially snowy, just like last week for the Chiefs, where Travis Kelsey had an interesting method for staying warm during the negative 30-degree wind chill game. Hey, don't let the cold affect your energy. Get hyped. I just like screaming right now. You got to keep it warm, you know what I mean? Screaming to stay warm. Shot or no shot. Screaming would warm you up. That's a shot. Really? Yeah, it's a shot. You ever try it? No. You yell every day. You never tried it? <laughs> I just I'm a, I just talk loud. But I don't scream. I can't imagine. It'd give me a headache. I'm sure your dogs would disagree with that. I would, it would give me a headache. I could try it. Next time it gets sub-zero, I'll scream. I'm sure. I mean, be, you know what? Because when you scream, I'm sure it, it, what you do is you're just trying to get mentally focused. Screaming is just like a primal scream. Ah, okay, I'm in this cold, and I'm going to be here for three and a half hours. Let's go. It probably just hypes you up more than anything else. Probably. It doesn't warm you up like a nice heavy coat. Correct. <laughs> it just, nice hot chocolate. Right. A little sh- peppermint schnapps in it. I, I just think it just gets your, your blood flowing. Just like, hey, if I yell and my face is red, you know what? Now I'm ready to go. I think that's what it is. Right. Anything else. Did, can you do that playing football? Scream? Yeah. I didn't want to get hit. <laughs> We're safety, right? That's it. Hard hitting safety. <laughs> no, <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the strategy there? You just scream like an insane person, hoping people will leave you alone. Correct. Who's that <laughs> lunatic over there? What that is that little th- guy that want to get hit? <laughs> that, what is that old rumor that if you like poop yourself a little bit, then no, nobody wants to hit you? That is Mark Schlereth, right? Mark Schlereth. <laughs> <laughs> that was Mark Schlereth, I think. People stay away from me if I stink. <laughs> I think that's great, actually. Yeah, absolutely. No one would want to tackle me if I stink. There, there's uh, Cap, the hard-hitting safety. There he is. Hey, don't <laughs> not the legs and not the face. Be careful. Yeah, exactly. Just, just please, please don't hit me. Just touch me and I'll go down. <laughs> Time to go around the NFL. Yes. The playoffs are here, everybody. And we're talking about on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show. Around the NFL, divisional picks. Here's Shane Orling. Ah, yeah. The picks are back. Last week, we did our playoff receipts. We will revisit those after the Super Bowl. But this is my favorite weekend of the year, and you know we got to pick these games. We begin with the Houston Texans traveling to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore to take on the number one seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens, who are nine-and-a-half-point home favorites. Hoodie. I like the Ravens to win this game. I think the game could be a little closer because C.J. Stroud and the Texans, they look unfazed when you see them play, Cap. I like the Texans plus nine-and-a-half. Yeah, I'm with the Texans here as well. I think Houston's a really good football team, and I'm going to take the nine and a half points because I think they're not going to be intimidated. Shay? Uh, I think the Texans are now playing with house money, and they go to Baltimore. They don't have any of the pressure. The Ravens have all of the pressure. But I also just think the Ravens are orders of magnitude a better football team. The defense is incredible, especially at home. If you look at that Browns defense, home versus road, the Browns were 10 points worse on the road than they were at home. And Joe Flacco is a turnover merchant. You're not getting two pick sixes off Lamar Jackson. The Texans have problems defensively. I'm going to lay the nine and a half with Baltimore. 
I am. Uh, I agree with Shay. I'm rolling with uh, the Ravens. Go Ravens. Texans, Ravens again. The total, 43 and a half, Hoodie. I've not checked the weather. Cap, can you check the weather in Baltimore? Because uh, I'm leaning the over 43 and a half with this because of how dynamic Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are. Um, I The only reason why that I lean Texans plus nine and a half w- with the Ravens winning the game is because I think about the rest versus rust factor. Baltimore is has been playing elite uh, football for sure. But there might be a few growing pains, especially early, to keep that number uh, closer. But I like the over in the game overall. Cap? I am going to play the over in this game. I think Stroud will be able to make some plays in the passing game. I think Lamar is a beast. I am going over the 43.5 posted total. 32 and sunny in Baltimore. Oh. On Sunday. Oh, good so football weather, yep. Cold, but yeah, that's football weather. Mm-hmm. I'm also going with the over. Uh, I think the Ravens may score every time they touch the football. And if you get the Texans in a negative script, well, they're going to throw it with Stroud. And we know what the result is there. Deep balls to Nico Collins. Touchdowns. I will take the over 43 and a half. I disagree. I'm going with the under. I think these guys will definitely have a defensive battle, but they'll put up points. So I'm going with the under. Tomorrow night, the hated Green Bay Packers travel to Santa Clara, California to take on the San Francisco 49ers, who are also nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Hoodie. Uh, I look at this matchup, and again, we wonder about rest and rust with the 49ers. When the 49ers were clunky, the offense wasn't working well, and I just think a week off might uh, slow them down a little bit. I like the Packers plus nine and a half. I think San Francisco wins the ball game in Santa Clara, but I'd like the Packers to keep it closer uh, than the experts think. So plus nine and a half for the Packers. Yep, the Niners have been laying in wait, and they are rested. They are pretty healthy. I think they smash the Packers. Give me San Francisco and lay the nine and a half. That is a very astute pick, Cappy. I am also laying it with the Niners. Mm. I think Jordan Love's fantastic when they can protect him. I think when the assignments are going to be not just Micah Parsons, who they did a good job of erasing, but both Nick Posa and uh, Chase Young and whoever they decide to blitz if they blitz, whether that's Greenlaw or Fred Warner. like the, The Niners can just pressure you in so many different ways, and their offense against Joe Barry lights out. I'll take the Niners. I agree with Shay. That defense is pretty good. I think they will definitely hold the Packers back. The pack will be whack, and they'll be back home with the Bears. <laughs> All right. The total in Packers Niners, 50 and a half, Hoodie. I like the over in the game. Yeah, I like the under in the game. I think San Francisco is going to pressure Jordan Love. I think they're going to get enough done offensively, but it's going under the total of 50 and a half. I'm also going under the 50 and a half. I, I do think the Niners win this game something in the range of like 28-10. I don't see this being some super high-scoring affair. I think the Niners just choke them out. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to roll with the under as well. So let's just do that. Unanimous. The Buccaneers, surprising winners over the Eagles to some, travel up to Detroit where they will play at Ford Field against the Lions in a crazy home field advantage. Caused two early timeouts in the second half against the uh, Rams. The fans caused those timeouts. Lions are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Hoodie. 
I like the Lions to be able to win this game outright against the Buccaneers, and I like the six and a half. They should be able to get this done in 10 points, I would believe, the, the Lions. Again, they have the momentum. The Buccaneers have had a really good season, but I just think that the Lions are having a special season. Uh, you know, what's so underrated about them is what they can do defensively on that defensive line against Baker Mayfield. I really like the Lions minus six and a half. So Shay was referencing the noise in the stadium, and a couple of the Rams were quoted in an article and said they told the Bucks players that they know you better be ready. That's the loudest place we've ever played in. It was insane. We couldn't hear anything. Give me the Lions by a billion. Beat the living H out of them. <laughs> Again, Cap, you and I are aligned. I think the Lions murder this team. I, like, this is, and I know it's public. Everybody's on Detroit. But I, look at Tampa and Baker Mayfield going against a team in the Eagles where their defense had just frankly quit. The secondary for the Lions is not a whole lot better, but they can pressure Baker. And I just think the uh, Bucks are going to have a really hard time pressuring Jared Goff, even with blitzing. And when they do blitz, you're going to leave Amon Ross St. Brown open. I'll go Lions. I think Baker Mayfield has done enough to earn a decent contract. But the story ends. <laughs> the Lions will crush him. And the total in Bucks lions 48-and-a-half hoodie. I'll take the under in this one slightly uh, for this one. Again, I believe the Lions will be able to win the ball game, but I'm going to take the under, under 48-and-a-half for this one. Yeah, I'm going under as well because I think the Lions win this somewhere around 31-13, so that's enough to come in under. Give me the under. I'm actually going to go over. The Lions secondary is horrid, and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Baker to throw the ball trailing. Mike Evans against that secondary, they're going to score some points. I'll take the over 48-and-a-half. I agree with Captain Hood. I'm rolling with the under. The game of the weekend for me, Chiefs at Bills. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, and this time in Orchard Park, New York. Bills, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Hoodie. Yeah, the Chiefs have not been right all season. If it's not drop passes, then there's stuff that's happening off the field. And again, it's not as much as I respect Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as an organization, Cap. Sometimes it's just not your year. How do I know? I.E. the Eagles. Sometimes it's just not your year. You've got to be able to retool. They'll be going home in Orchard Park. Give me the Bills minus two and a half. The Bills will win this ballgame. Yeah, I think this is, for the Bills, this is everything. They have pushed all their chips in. They are going to beat Kansas City because I don't believe Kansas City has enough weaponry offensively. They have the great quarterback. I like Pacheco. Rasheed Rice is a solid receiver. Travis Kelsey obviously is a Hall of Famer. Hasn't had the best year, but he's solid. But that's where the weaponry stops. And I think Buffalo is coming in, and they are going to put down the Chiefs and do it fairly convincingly. I think it'll be a good game, but I think they win this thing, you know, seven points. I'm going to take the Bills as well. I think being back in Orchard Park is just a huge advantage for them. They finally won't be facing the Chiefs at a hostile crowd. And I just, look, the Chiefs, when you settle for four field goals on four red zone trips against the Dolphins, who are missing four linebackers, I'm glad you could move the ball well between the 20s. You should have been able to. But their offense just hasn't been able to cash in on red zone trips. If you do that against Buffalo, you lose. I'll take the Bills. As you know, Josh Allen has been my guy all year. And what a comeback he has made. So I'm rolling with the Bills and the points. 
Chiefs Bills total 45 and a half hoodie. Cap? Yes, sir. I need your help with this one. This is the one that I've struggled with. I'm going over. What? Give me the case. Why? Because I don't think that there, this is going to be come down to grind it out, run for two, run for three. I think both quarterbacks are going to put on a show. 45 and a half seems a little light to me. I'm mm-hmm. going over. So even with Mahomes, like, like I think all of us agree that the Bills can win the game. That minus two and a half is, is interesting. I think mm-hmm. that the Bills, my line would be a little higher than that being at home. But okay, it's two and a half. But you believe that the numbers will be high in this one for both. Over 45 and a half. Yes, sir. Okay. I, had, I hadn't circled anything yet because I was going back and forth reading. And it's like, ah. Eh. And I don't know the weather conditions. They're looking for more shovelers, apparently, in Buffalo. I've read well, that. Well, they had a big storm this week. But I think it's supposed to be fairly clear, isn't it, Snarling? The day of the game should be clear. But they did announce they may need shovelers again. A lot of snow coming down in Buffalo today. And it's going to be quite cold. Okay. I think the kickoff temp at night might be something like 10 degrees. Okay. Then I'm going to go over. And I guess, so to further your point, Cap, you believe that the Chiefs will be able to throw the ball just like they did in Kansas City, right? They're not going to change their offense at all. No. Even if they're behind against Buffalo. They're going to throw the football. Okay. They'll run when they have to. They'll throw the football. Sometimes you have to phone a friend. A lifeline. Yeah, because I wasn't sure. When right. we get to college football, I phone to you. All so right. you're both on the over? Yeah, we'll, I'll just ride, we'll ride with the over then. I'm going to go under here, actually. And it's look, the last time when they played in 2021, the game was cruising to an under until there were something like four touchdowns in two and a half minutes. If I get screwed by something like that, a two and a half minute light show, well, I'll pay to see it because that was one of the best games I've watched in my entire life. But I'm going to take the under 45 and a half. Yeah, I agree with Shay. The weather conditions, the lack of weapons for the Chiefs, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm rolling with the under. And those, my friends, are, are the picks. The divisional picks. Uh, right here <laughs> on Captain J. Hood on ESPN 1000 and uh, streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. All right, coming up, we'll get the latest for the coaching searches for the Chicago Bears. Who are they looking for as far as offensive coordinator and offensive staff members? We'll hear from Courtney Cronin. That's coming up next. Captain J. Hood, weekday morning, 7 to 10. Welcome back to Captain J. Hood Experience, weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Keep your beak out of this. Courtney Cronin. National Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN. You have to temper expectations if you are a Bears fan, just given everything that this team had to kind of undo. Breaking down the Bears and the latest NFL storylines. Poles was given the flexibility and the freedom to take this thing down to the ground floor, down to the studs to be able to build it back up. Courtney Cronin with Captain J. Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Courtney Cronin is with us as we talk Bears in the NFL playoffs, and she's on the hotline. That'd be the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline, Johnny. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Get your beef out of this. Good morning, Courtney. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome, Courtney Cronin. Awesome. It's a football weekend, and we just did our picks. Now we get to talk to the best on the Bears beat. That is you. Yes. So my question for you is, the list is nine deep now of offensive coordinator candidates. I keep hearing from people I trust, they're getting someone off the McVay-Shanahan tree. 
if that's accurate, what does that say about what they're doing at the quarterback spot? Well, I mean, it could go, that one could go either way. It's all of the names that you know have popped up in recent days, whether it was Greg Roman earlier this week and Cliff Kingsbury yesterday that make you think they're going one direction or another. And I would love that they were just trolling everyone to make you know to kind of like throw people off a scent or put people on a scent by bringing up all of these names because this is truly the whole no stone left unturned approach that Ryan Poles told us last week they were going to take with everything. Um, but the majority of those candidates are from that Shanahan, McVay, Kubiak system, and it's a quarterback-friendly offense. It means that no matter who you have there at quarterback, you're going to have an offense that's going to play to their strengths. You're going to have a lot of play action under center stuff, and Caleb Williams can operate that at the same time that Justin Fields can operate that. So I just I don't think that that tells you one direction or another where they're going to go at quarterback until we hear what like specific plans are from whoever they end up hiring, whenever it is. I mean, they're up to nine. I'd love to see them get double digits. That's you know a pretty thorough search if they if they end up going that route. But at some point, they're going to start whittling this down. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we have a couple names in there. Um, Shane Waldron was the first, obviously, and that one sticks out because of what he's done for mul- uh, you know a number of different quarterbacks in Seattle. And that one would make a lot of sense. But there's some there are a lot of names to like on there. It just it feels like there's a lot of variation of this of the same coach and the same play caller, same you know philosophy that they're going to be sorting through. Of all the people that you've talked to about this quarterback quandary, who has a stronger opinion, Courtney? Is it the people that feel that Fields should return with just better weapons, or going with Caleb Williams? Oh man, um, it's you're saying the people who have like the most. What, what, what's the? I'm sorry. What's the question? Like, all, who has the, a better argument for yeah, it? Yeah, who has the, more all, sound logic? Of all the people that you've talked to about this quarterback situation, who has a stronger opinion? The people that feel that Justin Fields needs another chance with the Bears, and that it's the Bears' fault for not a weapon, giving him enough weapons, or those that feel that there is a need for Caleb Williams because of the things that he can do. Well, the louder, okay, thank you for clarifying that. The loudest people are obviously the ones who think that Justin Fields, if you give him a couple more things, if you give him better coaching, you put more weapons around him, the whole nine yards, that he'll be able to take off in year four. And you can understand where fans are coming from on that and where people who, you know, I heard Lewis Riddick on, on Waddle and Sylvie yesterday and what he said about, you know, going with Justin Fields in year four, you can make a, a really sound argument for that. Um, but there's also, I mean, those are the most vocal people when you think about the quarterback. Like, I, I don't think the Caleb Williams people are the people who are looking at them using the number one pick. There's not that much emotion attached to it. You know what I mean? I think that there's a certain portion of people that look at Justin Fields and the glimmer of success that, they, that they've that they seen from him, but also not wanting to move off of that as quickly as, you know, after year three, punting, moving on from him, whether it's a trade, whether it's something else, um, not wanting to give up on that until you can see it through because of fear of it replicating itself somewhere else and the Bears aren't able to reap the rewards there. So, that they're probably the loudest. Um, if that's answering your question, I don't know if I'm if I'm getting there, but it's. I mean, you guys experience it. I know I've listened to the callers on this show. I mean, those are very passionate people calling in 
about one and they make sound logic. It's just, they take things so personally that it's hard to kind of get your point across when people are blind to all the other things about like that are factors into why some, why a team would take a quarterback over the one they currently have. Yeah. The, the reason why we bring it up is because cap and I away from the fans and the emotion of it, we're just hearing from those former front office people or those mm-hmm. that are in the league, college football analysts. And it just seems like it's an interesting teeter totter of people that say, you know, you know, Caleb Williams is a can't miss. That's a immediate upgrade of the quarterback position. Or there's those that pin it on the bears cap that just say, Hey, you know what? Fields does have the raw talent. They just have to b- keep building around him. Yeah, so and, it's interesting. And as Hoodie says it, I talked to a friend of mine who he coaches in the league. He he said, he called me. He's like, I asked you a question. I said, Diego's, yeah, is this really a discussion in Chicago mm-hmm. of what they should do? And I said, oh, God. I said, and I quoted you. I said, <laughs> RIP my mentions if I say anything nice about Caleb Williams. He said, okay, then you're the only city in the NFL that would keep Justin Fields and t- not take Caleb Williams. That was his quote. Yeah, no, that's I had I had like almost verbatim that direct uh that like same conversation with um a personnel director the other day when this whole thing was starting to bubble when we started seeing the coordinator names, uh the candidate names coming through. And I think for people outside of outside of this city like you're going to find personnel people always looking towards the the long-term approach that if you have 38 career starts, you have more than enough body of work to determine whether Justin Fields is the guy already that you don't need another year. Like That's the logic that scouts use, that people who are talent evaluators use on making a move like that because that's it's not just worrying about 2024 when they're looking at it, when people like Lewis Riddick are looking at it, when people like Mike Tannenbaum, and both of them have, have differing and you'll hear it on Get Up, you'll hear it on all of our shows, that they all have differing opinions on what to do. But a front office perspective will look at it through the lens of getting to restart the clock of the, of the on-field decision as much as it is a financial decision. And that's why I think it's such a polarizing conversation, because it's not just about the financial decision, restarting you know, the contract and getting five years to pay a guy um, or to, you know, to have him before you pay him. It's that's what, it's such a quandary because there's so much more to factor in there considering what they saw from Justin, his last seven games coming back from injury, and how they feel if that you know all the scenarios that Ryan Pohl said he was going to be wide open to. Like they have to factor those things in, and they can't just look at it in a vacuum the way that people outside of the Chicago Bears, evaluators, people on other teams, former players, what have you, are able to look at it because they're not. They're not factoring in all of the many layers that the front office and the Chicago Bears are doing. In terms of pick number nine, like we're so hyper focused on the quarterback, they need an ace receiver to go with DJ Moore. Do they? Do you think they're going edge rusher there, or they're praying that Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze are there because Marvin Harrison will be off the board by then? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think that Roma Dunze would be a perfect pick at nine and another big body for Justin Fields to have, or Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Don't, I wasn't just, I uh, wasn't tipping my hand there. I just misspoke. Um, either quarterback, like it's a prime trade down spot for, um, you know, how many teams outside the top 10 if you're looking at that would be interested in a quarterback. But mm-hmm. if, if they stay at nine, Roma Dunze, I think in most mocks you'll see him available there. It's either 
it's either him that I've seen, you know, Mel and all of our draft analysts at ESPN, um, or Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama who just declared uh, recently. Like, if you think about them adding another edge in there with Montez Sweat, like how much better is that pass rush? I mean, it's still a group that finished 31st in sacks, but you could tell they were around the quarterback a lot more once Sweat got here. If you upgrade that position then that helps everything you're doing defensively. It helps the back end. It helps Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson be able to lead the NFL in interceptions uh, with, you know, again. So they could go either way there, but that's, we just don't talk about number nine enough because there's still such a, a question mark at number one, but they absolutely are in prime position to add a marquee day one starter with that number nine pick, whether it's on offense or defense. More with Courtney Cronin right around the corner as we talk Bears in the NFL playoffs on the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show. Welcome back. Welcome back to Cap and J-Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Courtney Cronin. Courtney Cronin with us on the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and uh, streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Courtney, there's nothing like a... Uh, general manager in an NFL press conference that's so nervous about what he has to say to the press that he's just chewing gum loudly into the microphone. Here's Mickey Loomis, Saints general manager at his press conference. Listen closely. Bill Belichick. Here's his first three seasons. Six and ten, seven and nine, seven and nine. Tom Landry. 0 and 11, 4 and 9, 5 and 8, 4 and 10, 5 and 8. Hall of Fame coaches, all of them. Bill Walsh, first year, two and fourteen. Second year, six and ten. So I think the easy thing to do is just look at the results and say, "Oh no, we've got to have a change." You got to look beyond that. You know, what are the reasons why we were nine and eight instead of, you know, thirteen and four? And look, it's it's collective. It's the players. It's the coaches. It's me. It's our personnel staff. Our roster. It's variables sometimes that we don't have any control of. That's fine, but. That's not going to get it done. Listen to that. Yeah, can we stop <laughs> with the gum chewing? <laughs> First of all, he's comparing Dennis Allen to the all-time greats, and then he's giving you that while he's Isn't doing it. Isn't it funny, too, that he didn't mention, when I think he said Bill Walsh in there in a different soundbite, like talking about like going into year three. Um, like, Harry left that one off because Bill Walsh won a Super Bowl that year. Yes. So, <laughs> like, amazing to go that hard uh, for Dennis Allen. I thought that he... You know, I've never seen him chew gum at a press conference. I've watched Mickey Loomis pressers before, but it's just, it was so bizarre that he went like that. He doubled down that much on someone like D.A., who very clearly lost the respect of the team in week 18. I I thought he would have been gone long before two weeks after the season, considering how that fiasco played out. This team always has salary cap issues. Like, they they could do a lot of undoing this year, but they also realize they're locked into... Derek Carr with the big contract they gave him that their gambles that they took last offseason have not played off. And I, uh, I think Mickey Loomis is wearing that, um, the stress of that pretty, pretty evidently, uh, considering he's chewing gum in the middle of a press conference. Who wins, yeah. who wins in a chew-off, Loomis or Pete Carroll? Oh, I mean, well, Pete would throw the gum, right? Wasn't that his thing? That's what Ditka did, too. Courtney, I got a question for you. Of the yes. eight quarterback still standing would you take justin over any of them probably not i think that that's um 
I mean, I, I and I get the I get the question. Um, is he? Is, no, I think the, the obvious answer is no. I mean, Lamar Jackson is on a completely different level. Brock Purdy has played incredible football this year. He is elite. I think it's time to start putting him in that category. And you know, all the way down to C.J. Stroud as a rookie, he's more of an anomaly. You don't expect somebody to take off that quickly, but. The quarterback play that we saw last weekend, and now what it pits us, uh, you know, some of these matchups in the four divisional games, like there's some really, really good things that the Bears can follow here when they take a look at how the Packers went about finding Jordan Love and that process of getting him to a place where he's playing in on divisional weekend. And same with C.J. Stroud. But no, I don't know. There's no quarterback. I would not take Justin Fields over any of the quarterbacks that are currently playing. By the way, the kid that had the long touchdown for Tampa last week, David Moore, he was in Bears training camp last su- now, summer of 22. Yeah, that w- that is right. He was there. I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing, too, for Tampa how they didn't have to rely on Mike Evans in that game. I think he had like three catches for 48 yards. I thought he was going to take the top off of that defense. But, man, their, their receivers just torched. David Moore looked secondary. amazing. I'm like, where's that guy from? And a friend of mine, Lee Allen, who calls the show, texted me. He's like, he was a bear. I'm like, what? I looked it up. He was. That's, we let that's funny. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at, uh, what's it, Blake Bell, the guy who's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. I remember he was with the Vikings when I was there and did absolutely nothing. And then he goes and he's like been a, a, a core part of, of a Super Bowl team the last couple of years. It's amazing how that ends up working out for a lot of guys. Crazy. Courtney, which story intrigues you most out of these games this weekend? I want to see Lamar Jackson. I mean, I just, I really am excited about that game specifically. Uh, obviously, Packers and 49ers, we know the history of the NFC Championship a couple of years ago and between those two teams. But I am really excited to see what Baltimore looks like. The week of rest that they had, is this going to be a replica of 2019 where they looked flat and the Tennessee Titans were, you know, in control of that game throughout and ran away to the AFC Championship? Or is this going to be a different Baltimore team that is going to now win seven straight with Lamar Jackson starting? So to see what Houston did at home last week when they weren't favored, watching C.J. Stroud, watching D'Amico Ryans call that defense and adjust, I, I would love to see how that travels on the road. I know it's the first game tomorrow, but I'm really excited about that one. Courtney, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. We'll see uh, what the Bears end up doing. I know they're in L.A., but they cannot start talking to the players yet. I think that's what I think that's next week. You could start meeting with players, correct? Yeah, for free agency stuff. Or no, for what? Pro- draft prospects. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like they're going to be starting like the next two weeks are going into Senior Bowl. They're prepping for that. There's the East West Shrine, like. There's a lot here where you're going to start to see, okay, gearing up towards the combine. That's when there's five weeks until then, and those five weeks are going to go quickly before we get there and we get to start hearing about them talking to prospects. And I'm I'm excited for that point. I've thought about it a lot this week after Caleb Williams declared that that's the first time we get to hear from him at the podium. Um, You know, that's, I mean, last year we thought we were going to hear from Jalen Carter. We never did, but um, that's a really important moment for us to get to like ask these questions about all of the speculation around this kid the last mm-hmm. six seven months and and you know the bears too will be uh it, it at the you'll have a chance to kind of answer for some of those things too and what they're looking for and hopefully by that point we will uh be well aware of who the offensive coordinator is one last thing we got to get out of here so we only got a brief amount of time 
A friend of mine texted me. He said, ask Courtney her thoughts. The 2020 and 2021 Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love said, yeah, the way that they trained me coming up, it was key, my quarterback's coach. It was Luke Getze <laughs> for two years. That's the guy that got him ready. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, we know what Aaron Rodgers, how he felt about Luke Getze and, and the endorsement that he gave him. You know, being a coach, a quarterback's coach, is different than being a play caller. Like play calling, you see a lot of coaches sometimes flounder and fail when they get into that role to call, of calling plays. But he might be a terrific position coach um, if he would have done that with the Bears versus being the OC. But, yeah, it is interesting to hear those comments from uh, Jordan Love on that. As always, Courtney, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Take care. Courtney Cronin with us right here on the hotline. Car accident or not a hotline? Is it? Is it still? Yes, sir. All right. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Tune in. Don't worry, call the car accident. Will the real Lewis Riddick please stand up? We will hear from Lewis Riddick in two minutes on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show.